Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm always so delighted to share a Saturday morning with you. Today, I've invited a very special guest to the program. It's Susan Pierce, president and co-founder of Red Bucket Equine Rescue, and she has some beautiful rescue tales to share this morning. Whether you're a horse person or not, her stories will definitely tug at your heartstrings. And after our halftime break, Blythe Wheaton from the Pet Rescue Center has some great news about homeless pets finding forever families and some others that are still looking for good homes. Perhaps yours? So keep your radio tuned right here to KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll get started after a very quick station break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to welcome Susan Pierce, president and co-founder of Red Bucket Equine Rescue, back to the program. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Marie. It's been a long time since we've spoken, and I know that Red Bucket is a wonderful sanctuary for horses, and it used to be in Orange County, but did you move? We moved a year and a half ago out to Chino Hill. Oh, okay. Is that a better location? Oh, my goodness. It's wonderful. We actually raised the money to put um, down on a ranch that the horses own. Oh. So much better. Very nice. How big is it? Almost five acres, oh, and the place nice. is laid out perfectly for our use with three arenas and five barns and a bunch of uh, really large paddocks. So it's perfect wow, for us. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Can visitors come just to, to hang out and enjoy it? Well, absolutely. We are a closed ranch, but on Sundays we have visitor hours from 1 to 4, and then anybody else wanting to come at a different time is welcome to call and make an appointment, and we do tours and introduce people to our horses and, of course, talk about our wonderful program. Oh, that is very cool. Well, let's talk about your wonderful program right now. How did it all get started? We started the program exactly uh, five years ago. So last Saturday we celebrated our fifth year anniversary. Wow. And Red Bucket was started basically because we could not turn our back. We couldn't turn our back on the senseless, you know, horses that were being abandoned or abused, sent to slaughter. And we started with nine horses. Okay. And by May of that year, we had rescued 74. Are you serious? Yes. So wow. there's a tremendous need. And we knew at that time we really needed to go out and get our 501c3. And so we are an IRS-designated nonprofit. Oh, that's good. So if our listeners would like to make a donation to help out some of the horses that you rescue, they can do that and deduct it on their taxes. Well, absolutely. And, of course, the, you know they get a, a tax write-off and they get to help an amazing organization. And we do rely on donations of others you know, who wish um, for us to continue to do our good work. Well, that's great because I know anybody involved in rescue, it, it costs so much money just for dogs and cats. And for horses, that number is exponentially greater. 
how much would you say it costs to, to take care of the average horse that comes into your facility from the point it comes in to the point that you rehome it? Well, it, the number that we use is $7,200 a year. Wow. Okay. So it's quite expensive, and what is differentiating our program from many rescues is we do not operate on the length of stay model. So a lot of rescues, they operate on a length of stay model, which basically the goal is to um, limit the length of stay. What we've found is that rescue in this country isn't working, and it's not working because horses are rehomed prematurely. When a horse comes to us, um, they are here for as long as it takes. Now, our ultimate goal is a forever home for that horse. But when a horse comes in and they've been starved or abused, many um, cases of abuse might, oh gosh, it might ra- uh, range from a horse that's used to bait dogs oh, or a no. dog fight. To I didn't even that, know that still happened. Yes, it does. Oh, my goodness. Or to horses that were, you know, intentionally um, beaten or harmed or just neglected um, or even starved. You can't just rehome those horses. They really require rehabilitation. They require a certain amount of nutrition, a certain amount of training. And so they receive that at Red Bucket. And only when the horse is not only ready for adoption, but also when we have the right adopter is the horse rehomed. So a horse might be here, you know, for six months, which would be wonderful, and they might be here for two years. It really mm-hmm. depends on the horse. And the, the model that we use also looks individually at each horse versus managing the whole herd, you know, as one. Okay. Horses are very, very uh, delicate creatures in their personality and and I'm sure it takes so much to win their trust back and, and make them feel confident and secure. What kind of people do you have working with you to, to help them get back to a healthy psyche? Well, um, gosh, I have to tell you, the most incredible um, men and women, we have um, people who are donating sometimes 40 and 50 hours a week. Wow for the purpose of helping us help the horses. That's incredible. And it is. Are when, these horse people or do they get training once they sign up with your organization? Well, that's a great question. Um, the people who are working directly with the horses absolutely are horse people and they continue to get training through Red Bucket. We have a model of increasing our horsemanship daily, and so we offer all kinds of educational and enrichment opportunities for our volunteers, which um, you know, which include everything from horse behavior to horse care to horsemanship. We also have you know a lot of people who join us who love horses, have never had an opportunity to be around a horse. And they really want to be a part of our organization. And so while we might not put them to work with the horses right away, we do put them to work, and we do also offer, you know, the training for them as well. So okay. um, we have a lot of training and a lot of education that go on here. How would one volunteer? Is there a special online uh, form they can fill out? There or do is. they come onto the shelter facility? Yeah, if they go to our website, which is redbucketrescue.org, there is a an adoption application that's available. Once someone completes the application, they'll be invited to an orientation and tour, which is really required. We want people to understand our mission, vision, values, 
before they jump in with both feet. Make sure it's a good fit for them and also for us. Um, and then basically we have all kinds of opportunities for volunteers, um, you know, from fundraising to mucking stalls to stuffing envelopes to grooming. Outstanding. So there's there's really a lot to be done there. And I bet you uh, students who are considering becoming veterinarians, especially equine veterinarians, can probably do some volunteer hours to help prepare them for veterinary school. Yes. Actually, we have a lot of veterinary students or pre-vet students and also registered um, tech students Excellent. who come here you know, to gain more experience, you know, more horse experience. But also, if you consider that we usually have you know, upwards of 100 horses at a time, wow. there's also a lot of different things that we have that we can expose, um, you know, veterinary students to. We just did um, two castrations on Monday, and, you know, we have all kinds of other, um, you know, issues that, you know, we're either treating or, you know, that we're working with the horses on. Well, what a great opportunity for students and for people who just want to get more experience in that area. So you're helping the horses and you're gaining some uh, some good quality volunteer experience. Right. Well, we have a lot of veterinarians who have helped us, and our model really is one of giving back. And so we want to continue to really plant those seeds in <laughs> our new vets of, you know, continued philanthropy to help, you know, help other organizations help horses as well. Outstanding. And you talked about making sure that the horses that leave your facility go to homes that are going to be for the rest of the horse's life. What kind of education do you offer adopters? Because I know so often people will get a horse and it's like getting a car. They keep it for a couple years and then they sell it. And that's really horrible for a horse because they, they really do get attached to their people and they have feelings and emotions and just to be treated like used property is, is probably pretty jolting. So how can you ensure that the animals are going to be placed into families that truly understand it's a lifetime commitment? Well, it's a great question. Um, currently, we do have, you know, one of the lowest return rates in the nation, and the reason um, is the second part of our mission that I, I talked about previously about really making sure, number one, the horses are ready um, but the second part of that equation is making sure that the adopter is the right adopter for the horse. Um, we are pretty hesitant to adopt to um, first-time horse owners um, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we've had um, success in the past with that, but it's usually a person who has support you know, with the trainer that they're currently working with. Um, We offer a certain amount of field support, which is one of the things that we're doing that is really unprecedented in the world of um, equine rescue. We, um, first of all, spend a lot of time with the adopter before the the adopter even, you know, considers leaving with the horse. So we want to make sure that the horse is the right horse. We want to make sure that the adopter has the right skill. Um, to be able to handle the horse and the right level of education. So during the matching process, we're working hand-in-hand with the adopter. Once the horse goes home and the adopter is comfortable, and we're also comfortable, the adopter has field support. Um, I'm a behaviorist by training. What I know is that if you change the environment, you'll change the horse behavior. So when the horse goes home, there is going to be a difference in behavior, at least initially. Okay. And so we don't want to be surprised by that. We want to, 
you know, if we can predict it, we can prevent problems, which means that adopter has a field support person who's their buddy to basically make sure that the transition is successful for the horse and for the adopter. Um, so if you'll consider maybe a scenario where a horse is afraid to go into a new wash rack or they might be a little spooky on trails or afraid of an arena or we've had um, a situation where the horse is afraid of local peacocks. Oh. <laughs> well, we'll send the support person out to help desensitize the horse and also work with that adopter, you know, on a, you know, on new skills. So the adopter has the confidence and the competence to actually be able to start to troubleshoot some of the issues they might be encountering. And, and that service is there, you know, for the, you know, for the duration. We really want to remove any kind of obstacles that that adopter and the horse are going to face. We want those horses staying in their home. That's outstanding. Hey, let's give out your website one more time. You bet. It's redbucketrescue.org. Wonderful. Susan, I am thrilled that Red Bucket is continuing its mission to shelter and find homes for horses in need, and I wish you much success in 2014 and beyond. Thanks for stopping by the Pet Place. Thank you very much. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Blythe Wheaton from the Pet Rescue Center will be checking in to talk about her organization's strides in finding every homeless pet that comes through their doors a new home. So stay right where you are, and we'll be back in a jiffy on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show with Blythe Wheaton from the Pet Rescue Center. Hello, Blythe, and welcome back to the Pet Place. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's been a while since we've chatted, so let's remind everybody what the Pet Rescue Center is all about. The Pet Rescue Center is essentially a rescue, um, and we take in at-risk dogs and cats, which essentially means dogs and cats from the shelter systems that are at risk of euthanasia or on occasion some animals that come to us through an owner's surrender, uh, we call it a relinquishment, but that animal would, without our intervention, end up in the shelter system as well, so we, we try and take a pool from everywhere. Ah, okay, and, and also the at-risk dogs and cats who are in danger of failing high school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I've, I must have taken my uh, corny medicine this morning. <laughs> That's okay. That's good. It's good for the holidays. <laughs> so you had a pretty big 2013. Let's tell everybody how many pets you were able to bring into your facility and get into new homes. Well, we brought in, I believe, 160 this year, um, there's always some overlap with the new year from, you know, ones that weren't adopted right at the end of the year. So our, our total number of animals that we had in our facility this year was 160. Wow. That's animals that we are directly touching in our facility. Um, we really can't say how many animals we impact on, you know, outside of that, but we do get 150 phone calls 
a week oh. where we're responding to people's questions on what they can do with their animal because they're in a crisis situation or, you know, leaving for military leave. Um, it's shocking, all of the questions that are out there, but we do get on average 150 a week that we mm. spend quite a bit of time answering and making sure that people can do the right thing with their pets that don't end up in the shelter system because there are a lot of options out there. People just don't know what to do. So you provide counseling for people yeah. who are considering relinquishing their pets. Hopefully yeah. some of those people end up keeping their pets if, if they're deciding to get rid of them for behavior issues. You know, they, they actually do. We just had a conversation about this uh, yesterday in our meeting. And, um, you know, while we get a lot of phone calls about that, once we start to have the conversation with the owner and let them know, you know, you can't just decide not to keep your animal anymore. It, there's no guarantee that that animal will be cared for as well as it is with you. You're the best bet to, you know, continue the care of that animal and here are some resources that will help you do that if you're, you know, in this type of struggle or that type of struggle. It's, you know, a lot of times it's financial. A lot of times it's people can't rationalize paying for medical care and there are groups out there that can help when you're in a difficult bind. Um, we have a program for people that are unemployed and seniors where we provide pet food once okay. a month and we call it the pet pantry for seniors and the unemployed mm. and Basically, we provide pet food for anyone that can show us proof of unemployment or Social Security, and that's basically our our way of saying, you know, we understand times are tough. Maybe this will help keep this animal in your home so that they don't end up in the shelter system because it's a much better place when a pet remains with their beloved owner. Absolutely, especially for seniors. It's such an important bond between senior citizens and their pets because often their family has moved on and they don't necessarily visit very often and, and their, their animal is their best friend. And I know if they're hit with huge veterinary costs, that, that could be pretty tough. What kind of options are available for people who are struggling with veterinary bills? Well, um, you know, there are certain groups out there. It depends on the area that you live in, but usually a Google search can help. Uh, you just, I think the trick is just knowing what to search for and basically searching for financial assistance for veterinary bills um, is the first way to go, and it's, you know, region by region. I know that Ruff in the Orange County area tends to step in on occasion and contribute a portion to bills when cer certain people qualify. Uh, Ruff is rescuing unwanted furry friends. Um, right. But, you know, there are other groups. There's the, um, why can't I remember the name? I, You know, basically, you really have to Google city by city where you live. It's applicable to different areas. Also, you know, being a little proactive about it is really great. If you have a veterinarian that recommends you get pet insurance, that is hands down the best way to go. And we also encourage new adopters to get pet insurance. It seems silly that you would have insurance for medical bills for your pet, but in the long run, something always happens when it's the worst time for financial you know, huge bills to happen. Mm -hmm. And if you have that pet insurance in place, it really softens the blow, and it's usually a real small nominal fee monthly. Mm -hmm. So for our adopters, we always recommend that they go that route just to be sure because you know, with what we deal with, we don't want any reason for this animal to go back into the shelter system, especially financial. And if you can just set up your safety nets, 
having, you know, resources and services that can help you like insurance, then that's the way to go. And a lot of veterinarians are willing to work with their patients if they understand that there's financial hardship and and they'll, yeah. they'll do what they can. And the Southern California Veterinary Medical Association and also the American Veterinary Association have special programs where you can sign up for grants and it's approved on a case-by-case uh, basis. So right, there right. are a lot of resources yeah. out there if you're struggling. And, and giving up your pet because you can't afford the veterinary bills shouldn't be something that you're considering because there are other options and I'm glad that you counsel people about that. And your veterinarian is also a great resource on to direct you to groups that your veterinarian works with on a regular basis because, you know, I guarantee you're not the first person to have this problem. Right, exactly. Hey, how did you start the Pet Rescue Center? I know it's kind of a labor of love for you. (laughs) <laughs> labor intensive definitely <laughs> um you know it was really my husband and i my husband dr matthew wheaton of alicia pet care center he's a veterinarian and we had wanted to do something philanthropic and you know it tossed around certain ideas that we were passionate about and the recurring theme was the rescue system the shelter system you know certain areas that come up in conversation frequently that we felt weren't working seamlessly. And so we drove up to San Francisco, and in the six hours of driving, we sat with a pen and paper and wrote out what we felt were the holes. And it just sort of came together that the Pet Rescue Center would be a cooperative group that would work with veterinarians, shelters, rescue groups, any pet company um you know, pet stores, pet mm-hmm. companies uh, that would basically work towards taking at-risk dogs and cats that uh, may be put down because of all of the reasons that we've just discussed and try to save them, do everything that we could to save them. So that's what we do. And um, generally we rescue from the shelters, but the thing that we feel that we do differently is that we work directly with the shelters. We will call them and ask them, who do you feel we should really try to rescue who doesn't have a chance outside of us you know they're not the cute labrador they're not the perky little shih tzu they're the one that would be most likely overlooked to me that is what's most at risk is the ones that don't have an easy shot at a second chance okay so, so the little wire haired dog with the underbite and exactly uh, the crossed exactly. eyes and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, the pregnant mama kitty. Pregnant, oh, okay. pregnant cats tend to, they're on the list. They're high on the list of the first to go because there's such a liability with the additional care that they would require with babies. Wow. Um, there were 4,000 kittens put down in California this uh, past 2012, and wow. that's a staggering number to me to just think, you know, it's just so sad. And so when we get to the shelter and we take a look at the cats, we want to know who is pregnant, who has been here a while, who may be a little older but still has, you know, spunk left in their step. Mm-hmm. And um, that those are the ones that jump out at us first. Now, in addition to your your actual shelter facility, do you also have volunteers who foster, especially the mama cats with kittens? Well, we consider ourselves a temporary sanctuary since we're not city-sponsored. We're a nonprofit that's fully funded by private donations, so we can't really say we're a shelter, but we only house our animals in our facility. We don't really use foster 
and the mentality behind that was intentional. We wanted to operate our facility like a business. We felt that that was one of the holes in the system. It's generally rescue-operated, you know, out of the kindness of someone's heart, but they generally had a full-time job that Mm -hmm. they were doing Monday through Friday. And so their ability to meet an adopter would be after work, on the weekends, and it just it slowed down the process, we felt, of being able to ask the public, you know, support adoption, please come adopt these rescued animals. But then when you can't marry your schedule with someone who's interested in the animal, it just, it's it's a speed bump. Okay. So we thought if we could offer animals in a facility that was commercial and open commercial hours, that that would possibly speed up the process and allow people to be more invested on a, okay. on a well, regular basis. Sense. And do you have all the animals that you have at your facility online so somebody could look ahead and get an idea of what you have and what they might be interested in? Yes, we do. It's the petrescuecenter.org, and there's a the before Pet Rescue Center. Okay. Um, everything that we have that's healthy and available is listed on the website. We also have a great Instagram account that is the same name. And on the Instagram account, we post pictures of all of our animals before they're ready, sort of as we're rescuing them at the shelter and the process of them getting healthy. We can't offer them for adoption usually until they're healthy and clear of any kennel cough or anything they may have picked up along the way. Um, So we, we do usually have a small amount of animals that are not listed that they're just sort of in the in the process of, okay. of healing. And then anybody that's ready to go is on our website. Outstanding. Well, Blythe, as always, I am so pleased by the great work you and the Pet Rescue Center are able to accomplish. And I'm certain this trend will continue for as long as there are homeless pets that come through your doors. So continued best wishes to all of you at the Pet Rescue Center, and thanks for stopping by the Pet Place. Thank you for having me. Have a great new year. You too. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's Time for Pet Place News and Events. Today, from noon to 4 p.m., the Long Beach Felines will be adopting out some beautiful kitties to loving forever families. If you're looking for a new four-legged family member that says meow, then head on over to Sentinella Feed and Pet Supply located at 4700 Pacific Coast Highway in Long Beach. For more information, call 562-453-7377. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please, stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day.